Hello, everybody. Welcome to the third edition of the Source Technology Cyber Team podcast. Join us here once a month here on the Source Talks podcast network um, here on LinkedIn and everywhere else where myself and other great recruitment professionals and cybersecurity professionals will be breaking down challenges and future outlooks um, in the security industry. Um, from both a internal perspective and a staffing one as well. Um, I'm Alex, your host for today's talk, as always, joined here by Mike, Mike Miller. Um, he's joined us here today in the third of edition, as I've mentioned. We'll be sitting down um, with people like Mike here once a month to talk through some challenges and whatnot in the industry. So thank you, everyone, for joining. I'll hand it over to Mike to introduce himself and maybe some of his background, how he got into security, and we'll go from there. Yeah, no problem. Well, thanks, Alex, for having me on. I appreciate this. Uh, I know you and I met uh, through LinkedIn here just a few months back, and uh, relationships grown, so I'm excited to, to be part of, of what you're doing. So, um, so yeah, I'll start with some of my background. I've been in IT for about IT slash security for about 25 years. Uh, I'm an old school guy, so I started back when there was dial-up internet, uh, and that that's how I got into the field. Grew from there to you know, working on servers, server administration, went from there, got into defensive security, got into offensive security, red teaming for a while. And uh, then I got into the auditing scene, mainly PCI. And uh, from there, um, then I started doing a lot of uh, VCISO work, uh, you know, helping companies um, understand, you know, the big picture from a 30,000 foot uh, view. And from there, um, I've tried to, I mean, I have a passion for this field and I've tried to use that passion to, there's a huge gap right now in this field where there's just, there's just not enough people. There's job openings, um, it is competitive, but there's still uh, a huge gap in the industry. So I've just kind of taken it on myself to try to lead people in the right direction to get a, you know, to get a start in this industry because it is so unique and it's extremely rewarding. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for going through that. And I'm definitely excited to chat through some of this stuff. Obviously, you've been yeah. in the industry for quite a while. I'm relatively new and I'm obviously on more of the talent side. But sure. what do you think are maybe the one or two biggest challenges you're seeing for hiring managers on the security side and in, in attracting talent um, and getting people to, to jump on board? Yeah, no problem. Um, I think for the hiring side, um, I think it's a case of being able to weed through and find people that kind of stand out, right? Um, in this industry, and it's something I post about a lot, you have so many people that are what I call circ chasing, that they're just chasing certifications and they're not chasing that knowledge, right? So um, over time, what happens and what's happening is these certifications, unfortunately, are becoming less valuable. They were extremely valuable when, when you know, th there weren't so many people that had them, but now there's just, you know, there's this saturation. So now I think the challenge for the hiring managers is to do interviews that are, you know, technical so that they can vet these people that are applying. And instead of just, you know, crossing a box off, hey, he has his CISSP or his CEH, uh, he or she, um, that, you know, they don't just take that in the factor. They, they interview the people well, they vet them well, they put them through a couple rounds and, you know, and look at the knowledge that they have. The other, the other thing that I see as well are these um, job descriptions that are, I guess, what I call wish lists. But the problem is, as you know, they'll list, if you have to have five or six certifications, you have to have, you know, an entry level position, you have to have five years of experience. And in the, in the long run, they're just looking for someone that can do the job, that can grow in, in that job, right? 
Um, but the deterring factor is the person who is new to the industry, they're seeing that job description, that, that generic job description that says five years, you must have four plus certifications, whatever. And instead of applying and trying to um, get themselves known or get themselves into that position, they're just clicking on something else, you know, and I think there's just a gap there and what is wanted and what is what is being seen. Right. Yeah, I would definitely agree from my perspective. Um, job descriptions can certainly be misconstrued because obviously a business will have a need. They need somebody to perform this task, you know, depending on how senior it is. And often what they portray for what they need isn't quite fitting yep. um, and definitely cuts off a lot of candidates, um, opens up to candidates they wouldn't necessarily want. So yeah. that's yeah. definitely a long term learning process, I think, for hiring managers. Um, yeah. On the on the other side, what do you think are maybe the biggest challenges for, for uh, security professionals in trying to join these businesses, get into get the industry? I think it's knowing where to start, right? This, uh, a lot of my previous posts talk about this as well. Um, the the cyber, cyber security and InfoSec um, you know, realm that we're in, it seems small, but it's very broad, right? You have offensive security, which I talk about. You have defensive security. You have purple team. You auditing of all of these different things. And it can be overwhelming for someone who's, who's aspiring to get into this field. So my suggestion is to pick a path, right? Um, eventually, yes, you can try to know a lot about a lot of those different things, but pick a path, you know, choose defensive security and jump into it, learn everything you can, choose offensive security or choose auditing. Just like, you know, pick a, I guess, pick a swim lane, I, I'd say, and stay in that swim lane and be careful to not cross over to that other lane. And that way you can learn as much as you can about that particular sector of, mm -hmm. of this industry. Then from there, you know, once you're in the field as, you know, maybe a SOC analyst, a blue teamer, you know, on a defensive side, um, from there, now that you've got that job and you're, you're learning more about that job, but then maybe start studying the offensive side. And then over time, maybe over the next five years, you might have an understanding of more about compliance, uh, more about offense, more about defense. And then that tunes you kind of um, over the years to, to get into maybe a management role so that you can walk into a room and talk to blue teamers, red teamers, and have a right. conversation with all of them. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think, because I've definitely talked to plenty of people trying to get in the industry, people that are already kind of in the industry and, and often they do try to specialize. Do you think there is a certain swim lane or path that, that might fit certain people better or one that you've seen that just kind of works out more? A really good question. So, um, yes. So I'll, I'll talk about three different ones. First, I'll right. talk about auditing, right? So with auditing, um, you can, I, I just saw it, just, uh, I have a friend who just got into auditing, fresh out of college, no experience, got hired by an awesome company and uh, has a degree, but anyhow, jumped into auditing, very fresh, and he doesn't have a technical background, but that's okay, because with auditing, you have different frameworks. You have you know, ISO, you have SOC 2, you have PCI, and learning those frameworks helps you learn the controls and, and things and how things need to be protected. And just by the nature of it, as you learn those frameworks, you're going to kind of accidentally learn a lot of those technical pieces, right? <clears throat> so I think if you don't have any technical skills at all, I think auditing is a great entryway to get into this field. Um, now you have the guys, everybody wants to be a pen tester. It's a big, yeah. you know, big buzzword, you know, and that's pro it's probably the most competitive. Um, the biggest issue I'm seeing with pen testers right now 
is everyone wants to be a pen tester, but you have to start with some um, basic network concepts. You have to understand how a router works, how wireless works, how servers work. So um, on the offensive side, you know, and you can teach yourself all of this stuff, you know, try hack me, you can download BMs, you know, ISOs and so on, set, set components up so that you can practice and get some hands on. Because if, you, if you're really a tech guy and like that's what does it for you, then go offense because you're going to get bored at, at compliance and doing auditing. <clears throat> now, at the same time, if you, have, if you have light technical, I'd say none to light technical skills, um, the defensive side is good as well, is, is just as great as well. Um, you have people that love doing um, entry-level roles, being a, a, you know, a, a intrusion detection person, a SOC analyst. Uh, to get into those fields. People are hiring entry-level people for those fields because it's very trainable. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing, and I tell people, is if you have the, the desire, the confidence, and the drive, you're not going to have, you're not going to have any issues because companies are willing to teach the skills. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think from my perspective as well, hiring managers mm -hmm. often talk about, you know, we, we don't want a jack of all trades most of the time. We want to, you know, Master of none, essentially. Um, so especially for early level professionals, I think side projects like you mentioned and like OWASP, for example, um, are great things yeah. to have on your resume and especially oh, on the absolutely. offensive side. Um, yes. Kind of doubling back into the to the certifications conversation, yeah. obviously, like a CISSP is, is kind of the, the crown jewel in offensive security, the, the OSCP. Um, Obviously, those are those are important certifications again, and and yes. we can have a conversation on whether hiring managers, you know, should really require those or not. But for a maybe early to, to mid level information security professional, which ones do you think are the most important? And they're obviously expensive as well, so it, it's good to yeah, it's kind an, of it's an investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the ones I'll talk about are mainly on the offensive side, right? Because um, mm -hmm. that's where everybody seems to want to go. They want to be a pen tester. I would say on the offensive side, start with something basic, your security plus, right? It's a good certification. It holds a lot of weight, right? It shows that you have the initiative and uh, to get up and go to go grab that certification. After that, I would probably say the CEH, Certified Ethical Hacker. I would most likely say that one. From there, um, from there, it's a tough one. I, I personally think anything after the CEH is kind of a just a personal thing of what you want. You can go get the OSCP if you want to. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. Um, personally, I, I would go get the CEH and then just get as much practical and hands-on that you need. I've, I still, in, in all my years, I've never seen anyone paid more because they have their OSCP than if they have, if, than they have their CEH. If everything else is equal, I, I have not seen those two, you know, one pay more than the other. You know? mm. um, that, that's just in my opinion. But at the same time, the, the CERT business has gotten so big, yeah. so profitable and I just saw I just saw a chart the other day. Um, I commented on it. I'll have to go and look it up of all of the certifications for the different sectors. And it's just crazy. It's just yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. You know? And I can see how people still get confused and not knowing where to go. Yeah, because I feel like at some point they'd all be teaching a relatively similar thing. There's only so much you can really have within yeah. a certification. But TCPIP is TCPIP, right? Yeah. Firewalls are firewall. Like you know, you're you're right. Certifications. In, in a roundabout way are, are teaching kind of the same thing. Some dive deeper, you know, some are more right. like the CISSP is, you know, on all of the domains and more managerial, right? 
Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's personal preference, but if you have to have one and you're just starting, I'd say the security plus, cause it has some weight. And mm-hmm. personally I'd grab a security plus and get a good job somewhere. Yeah. And then if they want you to, to go get a cert, go get that, go get the CEH. Right. Know? Right. <clears throat> and then, don't, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was, I was going to say, and then as far as like certain businesses that, or, or companies that, that younger professionals should be targeting, do you think, you know, smaller consultancies or consultancies in general are a great place to start to get a lot of different client work or, or just jumping right in with maybe a larger internal business is, is smarter? Yeah. So I've never had any preference, right? So I've worked for the big companies, right? I've worked for um, huge companies that everybody's heard of. I've worked for companies that are, a, you know, a 20 man operation. In the end, for me, it's about it's about culture, right? So, but if you're just getting into the field, um, some of the larger companies, well, you have to remember, some of the larger companies have clients that may uh, that may be government clients that have you know certain you have to have your clearance, you know, you have to yeah. have. There's just more requirements to that. Um, so, I would say personally, getting into this field, you know, if you can find a 20 plus man company, you know, start smaller. Um, the biggest thing I see now is uh, is people they'll apply for a job and because there's so many jobs out there, right? They yeah. apply for a job, they think they're going to get it, and you know that whole interview process, as you know, takes a couple weeks, and they're sitting and just thinking about that particular job. Two weeks later, they get denied for that job, and now they're starting over. And I right. tell people if you're going to apply for a job, get those get that interview. But then at the same time, work in parallel, man, you should be applying every day to something new. And in, in the yep. end, you should have three or four or five different interviews in parallel with different companies and you get to pick, you know, which one you want. So um, just don't waste that time of waiting, you know, for someone to get to get back to you, like, you know, work in parallel. Yeah, that's a good call out for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I know we've talked a little bit in the past, uh, you just brought up like government and DOD contracts, but yep. for certain groups like veterans that are trying to transition into the industry specifically, instead of, you know, people out of college or whatever, what do you think yep. are some good tips specifically for a gr- groups like veterans or, or people maybe moving to the U S or something? Yeah. Leverage that experience. Um, you know, if, if you're just coming out of the military and if you're, you're, you know, you have, you know, your secret clearance or higher, I mean, those are definitely, um, key items that the comp- that some companies need, and it's a process. I, mean, I had mine at one time. I'm not active anymore. But it's a process to get all of those, and it costs companies money to to get those for you as well. So mm-hmm. leverage what you have. You know um, what what stands apart with you than somebody else. So if I'm coming out of the military and I have my clearance, I'm certainly gonna gonna target more clearance type jobs than I would. You know, uh, private sector. You know, things that don't adult uh you know classify data like that yeah definitely i think just taking advantage of what you have in general across yeah. really any industry when you're looking for yeah. a job is important um i'm trying to think those are kind of the main questions i had as far as what's going on in the industry i'm curious if you have any other call outs or if you have any questions for myself on you know the talent side that, that might be worth bringing up yeah so what's you know so um what's your biggest frustration that you're seeing you know when you're when you're interviewing people or whatever like what 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 makes you roll your eyes at the end of yeah the uh, come on man yeah i think there's a couple um i mean the job descriptions thing we we've, we've brought up just earlier um obviously as a recruiter it's, you have to really understand what the company's looking for um yeah. you have to advocate for their business and, and really get candidates interested depending on the company um yeah. and when job descriptions are written 
quote unquote poorly, mm-hmm. or, or they don't necessarily know what they're looking for, um, that can cause frustration for myself and the candidates. Um, yeah. And so, you know, obviously with the clients that I work with and, and recruiters work with in general, you know, just working mm-hmm. through that and being able to talk to hiring managers about what they really want and maybe kind of stray away from the job description and just be able to say it yourself has been a good tactic, I think. Um, I think as well, the certifications thing we brought up, um, you know, some companies we work with are are very hard set on that. And, and I, and I get why, but it's certainly, I've, I've talked to plenty of people that I think are quite qualified beyond just the certifications, um, which is frustrating. Um, And, you know, we, we advocate for candidates as best we can, um, but there's only so much we can do. And then also certain, certain roles within the security industry. A lot of people mm-hmm. get called out as job hoppers. You know, people are either working contract or full-time, but often people are, you know, for a full-time business, you want somebody to come in, be with the company and really grow with the business. And it makes sense. But a lot of people, especially with COVID in the last two years, have had to jump around and, you know, have various reasons. And oftentimes hiring managers can get stuck up on that. And we do our best yeah. to advocate, but, but that's another kind of drawback I've seen in, in general on the talent the side. year of the great resignation, man. Yeah. I and mean, I read about it all the time. And yeah. you, know, you actually bring up a really good point that I don't get to talk about this that much, but uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest issues too, and I see posts about it is, you know, recruiters or, or HR departments will put a post out there about a job description and, you know, they have a range of what they can pay and maybe it's 80 grand up to 150 grand. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, companies, you know, it's so a private sector, right? Companies, they're, you know, they, they look at the bottom line. I see the, I, I see complaints all the time about, you know, companies should just put that, you know, put it out there of exactly what they're paying. You're, I just don't think you're going to see that that much. And the reason yeah. why is because in the end, it's a business, you know, you know, when, if you think about the retail industry, if someone's selling TVs, they want to buy that TV as cheap as they can so they can yeah. turn around and resell it for as much margin as they can. And it's unfortunate, but this is a business world. And so, you know, people, they do need, you know, people who are getting hired, you do need to learn a little bit of negotiation, right? Because companies are going to hire you, you know, unfortunately, maybe lower than what you want because they're looking at bottom line. They have investors and so on that are looking at the numbers. And um, so that's something too, that I think it's it's Mm going to take years to change because the other thing too, because you talk about hopping around, right? And I've suggested to people over the years, um, you know, I, I have a friend that's been a personal friend of mine. that has been in this field for literally, he's been at one place for over 20 years. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, personally, he's not getting paid what he should, what he should be getting paid. He started as, you know, just like an IT support kind of person and worked his way into, to this, you know, to a security position, but he's not making half of what he should be making in yeah. that position. The reason why is because he's working for the same company for 20 years. They're not just going to go to him and say, hey, man, you're awesome. We're going to pay you 110% more than what you're making now, right? Mm-hmm. The only way that he is going to get a bump is to move, is, is to go somewhere else. And and, and I've done it. You know, I, I have bounced around some in this field. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to do that mm-hmm. anymore. It seems like a two or three year stay at a company is a long stay, especially now with, with COVID. You know, you get six months you know yeah definitely yeah but yeah i kind of went all over there but yeah definitely some some points that 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 i think about a lot 
Yeah, certainly. And it'll obviously depend on the, the type of company, you know, if it's a startup or if it's a public business. And you see some states like Colorado and I think New York recently that have passed legislation towards you really have to advertise what the compensation bannings are, um, which I think is good for transparency, but definitely brings up problems for, for companies as well. So definitely oh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any other questions specifically on the, on the talent side, potentially? Um, not on the talent side. Um, you know, I, I would just, well, I'll ask this, right. Cause I, I talk about this a lot in my, in my posts and in mm-hmm. my small little LinkedIn network, the, um, <clears throat> resumes versus LinkedIn profiles, right. Mm. So I haven't shot a resume out in years, yeah. but I've used my, for me to get work, contract work or whatever, you know, I've kind of put myself out there and they see my LinkedIn profile and, you know, some click away and say, this guy's an idiot or some say, Hey, you know, maybe we can use his services. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been successful for me. How, how much weight do you put on checking out someone's LinkedIn profile and what they're doing online and, you know, versus just the, cause you know, resumes anymore, they just seem to all look the same. Right. Yeah. So, that, that That's a very interesting question. And honestly, since I've been, recruiting within security specifically, like, I don't think I've had a candidate denied or, or not looked at as much because of their lack of LinkedIn. You know, I send out people yeah. that have 20 connections, for example, but have a really yeah. strong resume. Yeah. I will say when a resume is lacking in any which way, and obviously as a recruiter, we try to help them work through that. But when we send it yeah. out and it might be lacking in any way, if they have a really strong, you know, presence on LinkedIn, there might be more details there. I think it definitely yeah. has been helpful. Um, and I've heard that from hiring managers. So yeah, yeah. Obviously LinkedIn is, is, is a great tool and it's kind of per people's personal preference, how much they want to use it. But um, yeah. I still think having a really strong resume um, will, will yeah. definitely be the best option in general. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is you know, people just, you know, don't be afraid to go get someone to help you with your resume. Cause yeah. some people are so smart and have so many skills, but they're not good at talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So they have a hard time putting that on a piece of paper. So yeah, you know, that, that's something too. Like, you know, don't be afraid to go get someone to help you with that type. Yeah, of thing. definitely. There's tons of services that can do it. And obviously if you're working with a recruiter yeah. as well, you would argue that they would help you. Um, at least yeah. we try to as much as we can, but yeah. you're definitely right. There's a lot of resources out there to build really strong resumes. Cause I think the number one thing I see is people just don't display um, the impact they've had on the business. They just write out the responsibilities and it's like, yeah. you know, okay, well, 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 how many engagements have you had, you know, say in a year, you know, how, how many projects have you successfully completed yeah. rather than just, yeah. I work on these projects. Those are great ways to impress hiring managers. Definitely. You're right. The biggest thing that I see is, you know, resume. Um, I have people sending to me just to look at because they're trying yeah. to get into the field and they'll send me a resume and it's a list of 25 software tools that they know how to use. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. But exactly what you said, tell me, how mm-hmm. you've used them. Tell me what you've been able to leverage with these tools and how you've mm-hmm. made a difference in, in the business. So yeah. not just a list of tools. Yeah. And I think people forget sometimes as well, there, there is potentially a difference between a resume and a CV. A CV is just mm-hmm. a, a years potentially of overall experience. You have very detailed would list all those tools. A resume, I would argue is more tailored towards a job you're applying for and would usually only yeah. be a page, maybe two. Um, yep. and I, I'd, I'd argue most people only have one of those. Like, for example, when I was yeah. applying for roles, um, I only had one, but, you know, build out your CV over time and then, you know, tailor a resume oh, yeah. for each role you're trying to go for or each hiring cycle That's you right. go through. Yeah. And you just made a point too. There's nothing wrong with, you know, so let's see you have someone who's trying to, you know, they have an interest in auditing, they have an interest in defense or offense, nothing wrong. As long as you have the skills to back that up, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with having 
three different resumes that, that cater to each one of those types of positions. You know? Definitely. Um, definitely. definitely you know, in this field, you can never put things down that you don't know because you will get called out so fast on them. But if you have those skill sets, you know, customize your resume for each one. Mm-hmm. You know? I would. Yeah, certainly. I would definitely agree. Um, well, good. I think we brought up some great points. Like I said, I don't necessarily have anything else to bring up um, unless you do, then obviously for everybody listening, we're going to be having these once a month and we're going to have people like Mike jump on all the time and talk through this, this stuff. Um, it's great having professionals like yourself jump on. And obviously I've, I've, I'm relatively new in the industry. So people with your experience is always great to hear from. You're doing a good job. I watch what you do online too. And I think you, uh, you're, you're making some headway. So good job. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. Um, Unless you have anything else, I will um, let everybody go. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Like I said, we'll be back once a month. Cheers.